More than ever, we all could use a mentor who helps us connect and generate ideas for success. This is Joe Soto with JoeSoto.net, and you're listening to the Mentorship Show podcast. And on this show, I sit down with the world's top personal and professional development mentors who share their best insights to help you excel in life and business. Hey, everyone. On today's show, we have the master mentor, Sharon Lecter, with us. We are so blessed to have um, one of the more, I think, iconic personal development influencers of our time here on the show with us. I've had a um, uh, admiration and I've been inspired by Sharon for a long time. Um, I have recommended her books to students in my mastermind program, in my online courses. Um, and now we've got her here. So let me give you a quick introduction uh, for Sharon, for those of you who may not uh, know her or may not own the books yet. Uh, so I have some notes here uh, so I get it right. But Sharon is an entrepreneur. She's an international speaker, best-selling author, mentor, philanthropist, licensed CPA for 35 years, and a chartered global management accountant. She is the premier expert for financial literacy and entrepreneurial success. And some of you may realize or may not realize that in 1997, she co-authored the international bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and has released 14 other books in that Rich Dad series. And over 10 years of serving as their CEO, she helped build it into an into really an, an empire um, and uh, into the world's leading personal finance brand. And then in 2008, the Napoleon Hill Foundation comes her way and asks her to dedicate some of her, her work and time to coming out with some new books, which she did, uh, including the Outwitting the Devil, which she annotated from Napoleon Hill, which is in a top is a top 10 book for me. Um, and another top 10 book and a book I sent out recently to my mastermind was Three Feet from Gold, which I think is an absolute masterpiece as well. And then she also um, has, she's written a lot of books, but um, another one that I recently picked up was um, for my wife. And I think I need to be reading it too, which is Think and Grow Rich for Women. So without any further ado, let's bring on Sharon Lecter. Hey, Sharon, welcome to The Mentorship Show. Hi, Joe. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you. Yeah. What better way to kick this off than having a master mentor with me? And I, and, and you you don't just, that's not just a title you give yourself. That is actually who you are. You provide mentorship to millions of people worldwide through your work, through your books, um, through your advice. And um, also you do some other stuff with your programs and, and uh, coaching, which we could talk about a little later. So first of all, give us some back backstory because I would love to hear where Sharon Lecter came from, uh, even like pre Rich Dad Poor Dad, if you would. Like where this where where did you come from? Give us some sure. Background. Well, there's, I've been around a long time, Joe. So I'll start with the I'll do my Cliff Notes version. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a very lower middle class home. We lived in a tiny house between my mom's beauty shop and my dad's used car lot. And I was really embarrassed with where we lived. We also um, owned real estate properties that I had to go scrub out the bathrooms between tenants. I swore I would never be an entrepreneur. My friend's parents were CEOs or military officers. And so that's what I wanted. I wanted to get a college degree. I wanted to become a sophisticated professional. And um, so I went to a first generation to go to college, my sister and I, and I got my degree in accounting. And I was one of the very first women 
Um, there wasn't even a glass ceiling. There, you know, nobody even understood that women could do it um, in public accounting back in the, in the mid seventies. And so that was an incredible opportunity for me. And I, in doing public accounting, I learned how so many companies did things right and how many didn't. And through that process, I realized that my understanding of money and the power of assets, my favorite word, assets, assets are sexy. And the older you get, the sexier they become. Um, I realized that I had incredible training. So about the ripe old age of 25, I was not in control of my own schedule in public accounting. And I had a client invite me to go with him and he was buying a company out of bankruptcy. And I still remember going back to my condo and doing pros and cons because we didn't have PCs or cell phones back then. Dinosaur. You had notepads. Yeah, notepads, pros and cons. And it didn't help me a bit. I could argue either side. <laughs> but my hand took off across the top and said, why not? And that's still my mantra today. Why not why do not? something um, new, different? Why not take that road less traveled? Why not solve a problem, serve a need? And so that what triggered me to make the decision to leave public accounting and start my entrepreneurial journey. And in doing so, I met my husband. We, our kids didn't like to read, so I joined forces with the inventor of the first talking children's book, helped grow that into a global brand, and um, partnered with little companies like Disney, Warner Brothers, Sesame Street, Marvel Comics, really fun, but it also did what we wanted to. It got kids excited about reading again. And then we moved to Arizona about 32 years ago, and our oldest son went off to college and got into credit card debt. And that was December of 1992. And that's when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial literacy and financial education, because I was so mad that we weren't teaching kids about money in school. Yeah. And I thought I had taught him about money, but he got to college campus and there was a, you know, when he, he was greeted by these tables, free pizza, free money, free t-shirt, free money. So he had a really good time this first semester in college. He had credit cards that we didn't know he had. And so that's really what triggered my dedication. And I'm as dedicated and, and angry about it today as I was then. And I'm working tirelessly to get financial education in the school system. So that was 92. You fast forward to 96. And I was working with the school systems, hence the white hair used to be red. Um, and my husband called me one day and he had this guy walk into his office in Bermuda shorts and flip flops with this idea for a board game. And that was the beginning of working with Robert Kiyosaki. Um, I had the experience, the connections to help him commercialize the game cash flow. And part of that conversation, I, you know, I just volunteered to help him. But I said he wanted to charge $200 for the game. I said, it's kind of pricey. Maybe you should write a brochure. And that's when he asked me to be his partner. And our brochure that we wrote to sell the game cash flow was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We never expected to take it for it to take off a yeah. life of its own and become the beginning of 15 books we wrote together. So it's yeah. crazy. Such a, such a hot, sexy topic, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That became a, that became a headline. And um, it propelled uh, both your careers, really. But you were already doing such great things. I mean, having had the business building experience. And I think I read somewhere where you had sold like a million books yourself of Rich Dad, Poor Dad like, out of your house. Is this, is this true? <laughs> yes. When we first wrote it, you know, it was a brochure wanted to give it away. So we didn't go with a traditional publisher. Yeah. We actually published it from a company that my husband and I own, Tech Press. 
And so we were the publishers for the first three years. And then the, and we literally were shipping it. Back then, Dinosaur, there was no Amazon. There was no right. So we would do a broadcast and we would wake up in the morning and I'd have fax. My fax machine would be full of individual orders from around the country. And so we'd pack them all up and ship them out. And then it got to the point where it's just the demand was too great. And that's when we looked um, in 2000, the year 2000, we um, aligned with Warner Books. Yeah. And then if, we, if you fast forward, 2008 hits and, you know, it's like a financial economic crap show, right, in the world. And that was, uh, and we've, we're going through it again. Uh, now, you, uh, the Napoleon Hill Foundation comes to you and you've been living out these principles in Think and Grow Rich. And now they ask you to, to partner with them on these books that are beautiful books, by the way, that are beautifully written, annotated. Um, the story in Three Feet from Gold, I think, hits home. It resonates with everyone. Uh, the principles in it, of course, are timeless because they are rooted in Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Um, what springboarded that? And and like that's that's a little bit of a shift from, it's not a complete shift from financial literacy, but it's a little bit, of a, it is a shift. And I think it was very timely, of course, because we were going through economic crisis back then as well in turbulent times. Well, it's a great question, Joe. And I think, you know, what happened was I was at the top, very successful with Rich Dad and um, literally built, it became the largest personal finance brand in the world. And then Robert and I were no longer aligned. So I made the decision to leave for Rich Dad in 2007. And that's when I tell people, sometimes you have to close the door yeah. for other doors to open. And that was later that year, I got the call from President Bush. So I had the honor of advising President Bush and President Obama on the topics of financial literacy as part of the um, first President's Advisory Council on Financial Literacy. And then a few months later, um, we know what was happening in the economy. It was devastation. And I got the call from Don Green, who I knew because we were both in the same book business. Um, and he was asking me to help revitalize, um, reinvigorate Napoleon Hill's teachings. And so it was a huge honor. I read Thinking Grow Rich when I was 19. I had no idea the impact that it had on me until I was in my 30s. And so to be able to come in and, and take his teachings and make it more relevant to the modern reader was an incredible opportunity and just and responsibility. So I, I treasure that relationship. And as you mentioned, we've done, I've done four books in alignment with them. Yeah. And I think one of the more recent is the, how to think, think and grow rich for women. Um, yes. Which. Uh, and I get a lot of pushback from people. In fact, I have the very first line in the book, why a book for women. Um, because for many years of my career, I, I really, um, resisted doing anything for women because the steps of success, I believe, are the same for men yeah. and women. Yeah. But throughout my career, I finally realized that even though the steps of success are the same, we approach them very differently. And yeah. we have social mores, we have habits, we have things that, you know, sometimes add an additional burden on women that are not necessarily felt by men. And anytime you generalize, you get into trouble. But I think it really was a great opportunity for me in Thinking Grow Rich for Women to share Napoleon Hill's principles. So it was the same chapter format as the original book, but each principle through the eyes of successful women. 
Yeah. Because when Think and Grow Rich was written in 1937, women weren't in business. Right. And so the book was very male-centric. And it's oh, yeah. It's very money. references yeah. all men that he studied. Yeah. Yeah. Money, money, money. And so Think and Grow Rich for women, I talked about success and significance so that we can you know, broaden it a little bit. So success really doesn't have to be numbers in the bank account, but impact. Yeah. I actually took some notes on... Um, on that because you say people get rich through relationships rich through impact and creating success and significance and uh i love that but let's i'm going to stay going to try and keep myself on track in the interest of time Th so first of all thanks for sharing uh that the backstory and also where that where where the where it came from for the the newer books with the napoleon hill foundation and all the great things you've been doing since has been pretty awesome we're going to talk a little bit about that you have um Okay, well, first of all, I wrote some notes selfishly of some of my couple of my favorite things out of the book. You say in the book, Three Feet from Gold, that your first five minutes dictate your day. Like, we've been pre-preparing these questions, so Sharon's hearing these. <laughs> she doesn't know where I'm taking this interview. But if you were mentoring me or someone that was listening to this show, um, how would you recommend they spend their first five minutes of their day? It's a great question, Joe, because it really is, you know, the you have a choice every time you, you open your eyes in the morning, you have a choice to, to dread the day or anticipate the day. And that choice is a lot of times dictated by our subconscious and whatever is our environment, things that we listen to, things we're reading, things we're allowing to have influence over us. And that's why it's really important to kick off your day, drink a lot of water when you get up to get your brain working and, um, and be grateful for all that you have and who you are. And then you really seize the day and take the start that day with anticipation. And that's, you know, when this whole pandemic started, I was even feeling all the negativity around us. And so when I get mad about something, I start a new company, kind of how I run. And so successful companies solve a problem or serve a need. And so because of all this negativity, I started a daily motivational chip. It's called ATMs and it's kind of like a, a draw on bank ATMs, but it stands for abundance, tips, and mentorship. And I just wanted people to be able to kick off their day with something that's positive and telling them that they're fabulous. Every one of them ends with me saying, you are fabulous. Say it with me. I am fabulous. Yes, you are. Because we need more positivity in the world. And we sometimes... Oh, yeah. When you force it, it actually sinks into your subconscious. So seize the day, that first five minutes. Are you going to have a good day? Or are you going to dread the day? Because if you put on the filters of dreading it, then it's hard to get back up. So seize the day. Look at every day as an opportunity for new new exposure, new opportunities, new associations. And uh, this is that's. Uh, that's fantastic. I put it on here. I'll put it in the show notes as well. It's it's atm.atm.sharonlector.com. And you can see it here on the screen, but if you're listening to this podcast, you'll see it in the show notes to take you to it. And, you know, for a few dollars a month, you know, for like the cost of a cup of coffee now a month, you can get this subscription to Sharon's powerful mentorship insight and, and tips and uh, daily positive uh, reminders and you know to piggybacking on that 
what would you tell someone who, because you, you talk about, and I think it was in Three Feet from Gold, about you know, never quitting and that that's, that's the only way to really fail. However, sometimes you have to know when it's time for a change and when it is time to close the door and open up new doors. What do you tell someone who struggles between, do I give up on what I'm doing right now that isn't creating success and wealth for me or do I stick to it because it, I, I might be three feet from gold or yeah, I just need to close that door and try something new. Well, typically, Joe, I would, I would encourage them. I would sit down and take them through the personal success equation that we have in the book, Three Feet from Gold, because that personal success equation really helps you identify what may be faltering. Because, yes, you want to be pers- you want to persevere. You don't want to quit. But sometimes you, you don't have the right association. Sometimes you're really not on the path that you need to be in. So the personal success equation starts with P plus T, passion plus talent. Yeah. All right. So your passion is what's your definite purpose? What is it that you, you want to accomplish? What's the mark you want to leave on the world? And then your talent. So mine actually came from anger because we weren't teaching kids about money in school, plus talent. My many years as a CPA, my many years in publishing. So I was able to combine that. But most of us stop there. And that's where a lot of frustration comes from. We're trying to do everything on our own instead of realizing that true success is through the power of association, business as a team sport. Have a mentor, the mentorship show. Exactly, having a mentor who's been where you wanna go, can advise you on around the pitfalls and accelerate your, your success by introducing you to the right people. And so the next element is times action. So many times we know what we're supposed to do, we just don't do don't it. Do it. Yep. Yeah. And you and I talked about this before the show about recommending books to people, giving them books, and they don't take the action to read them. And the last element is plus faith. Faith in who you are, faith in what you're doing, faith that is needed and necessary, and faith that you will succeed. And so when I sit down, I use this formula in every conversation I have, interview, speeches, mentoring. Um, When I start with a new client, they've had success and maybe they've plateaued and they're starting to come back down. And so we go through that. And usually it's the P plus T times A times A plus faith. And usually it's power of association. They've stopped growing. They've stopped networking. And so we just need to get them into, you know, out of their comfort zone and into new groups and new organizations to try and expand um, and and exponentially grow their business. And the other element that usually is lacking is their faith and confidence in themselves. And that faith, that F for faith is usually fear. And fear paralyzes us or motivates us. And 98% of us are paralyzed by fear. And so I help teach people how to embrace that fear and turn it into energy to keep moving and to succeed and to put yourself in the position of greatest potential. I love it. And you have here, I'm going to just show it for people that are happen to be watching this. Um, as a free gift, you're giving people the guide for their, to, so they can define their own personal success equation and they can download it for free. Is that true? That is absolutely correct. It's my gift to all of your listeners and viewers. Great. So they can just go to personalsuccessequation.com. You didn't make it too complicated. And they can download it on their own. Thanks for allowing us to do that and giving that to us here. I'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. If you're listening to this, if you're driving, I don't want you to grab your phone and start typing it in. It'll be in the show notes. You can click on the link and uh, and go 
uh, guide yourself through her and, and figure that out. I think this was great advice because I think a lot of people were in the situation I described that you answered the question to. I didn't know you were going to answer it with the personal success equation, by the way, which is fantastic because you're giving it away as a gift. Um, there's a lot of people I think are, you know, they get torn between, do I keep going and persevere? Do I, or do I shut the door and open up a new one? And, and they, they fight that dilemma and then that stops them. They don't go anywhere. They just stay stood and they're froze. They, they get, they get stuck. And I think in all of your materials, at least what I've been through so far helps people get unstuck because of things like the personal success equation. You have it at the back of the three feet from gold book. Um, but and you also have a great action guide in the back of that book for people who get it. Uh, okay. The, uh, my favorite though, that I'd share real quick, uh, my favorite, my most underscored, my highlight, most highlighted part of your book um, is where you say the margin between success and failure is a very thin line and that history is the past, base decisions on the future. Expand upon this, and the reason why I'm asking you to expand upon it is because, not just because people might quit, um, but because people get really hung up on the past being the predictor of the future. Well, there's, I have two responses to that. And I'll start with um, the fact that we have a mis we make mistakes, we have failures, and that that's because we're human. And the issue is hopefully we learn from them. But too many people, you know, when we have a mistake or a failure, that's an occurrence, Joe, not a definition. And too many people like create it as a definition that they are a failure. They don't know how to do anything right. That becomes and like their identity. Right. That they create their identity as being a failure, but no, it just happened and learn from it. And, you know, the other issue is having a mentor can help you per learn from those failures. And so you don't repeat them. But imagine you, you are the CEO of your own life. You're in the driver's seat. Right. And you have the gas pedal. You have a huge windshield. You can go anywhere you want. Your rear view mirror is very small because yeah. you're supposed to learn from the past, oh. not stuck in the past. And so learn from it, take the lesson and then make that decision where you're going and step on the accelerator. And back to your last question, you're having a mentor. They will help you decide if you're going down the wrong path, if you need to tweak it. And based on what's happening in the economy, so many people were using the word pivot. And I really didn't like that because if you have a definite purpose, yeah. that doesn't change. You may have to change your tactics. Um, as I use the parable, you're going from LA to Catalina on a sailboat. The destination doesn't change, but if the wind shifts, you've got to recalibrate and adjust the sails. And that's the same thing that's what's happened in the last few years. You have a definite purpose. And if you're really dedicated to that, yeah. things change. The economy changes. Circumstances change. We have pandemics. And so you have to change your tactics. But your definite purpose may not change if it truly is your purpose. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. All right. Let's wrap up with um, last question for you. And I'll let you go here. Um, who is either your first mentor or a mentor of yours that um, taught you one, and what's one thing that you got from them that you would like to share with everybody here? Well, absolutely. Um, I was raised by a father who was career military and um, he would ask me every night, Sharon, have you added value to someone's life today? 
and he's been gone 17 years. Um, he was my first mentor, my hero, my idol. And he taught me a lot about money and assets and by the way he lived. And I think that that was such an incredible gift to me. And it made me realize as I got older that most people don't have that gift. People are taught to chase money, exchange time for money instead of invest their time. So don't spend your time, invest your time in buying, building, creating assets. And so also, I still ask myself that every night. Have I added value to someone's life today? Thank you so much. That's awesome. I hope everybody adopts and, and incorporates that question into their lives. I know I do. I have, um, you know, we have nine children, six still in the home. And I, I think that's a question I need to be incorporating into my daily ritual with them when I spend time with them. So thank you for that personally for, for reasons of my own. But I think everybody here would agree with me that this is a, a question we could be asking ourselves, let alone people that we love in our lives. So thanks for sharing. Well, the world would be a whole lot better place lot better. if everybody yeah. was asking themselves. That right. Question. That's right. That's right. Um, Sharon Lecter, everyone. Sharon, thanks so much for being here, for being my guest. I hope I can have you back again someday. Um, you're an absolute blessing to everyone who comes in touch with you. And uh, thanks for all you do. Well, thank you, Joe. It's been a delight. And I just want to congratulate everybody watching and listening to your show for seeking out this kind of information and make sure you take action. You are the CEO of your own life. Thank you. Well said. See you, everyone. We'll see you guys next time.